three. What's going on, everybody? It's what the haters said couldn't be done. Episode three of the Crowcast, the number one gothic horror fantasy podcast on Spotify. We're moving up the charts thanks to people like you who are listening to the listening to this today. And we have a very special guest. Um, I said when I began this, I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to bring my friends on. I don't want to just be one of those podcasts where somebody has their friends on. But I am bringing a friend on. But he's a special, he's a special friend. He's a, he's a knowledgeable friend. He's a guy that we played soccer together once upon a time. And now he has risen up to a, uh, what, a, a special pain interventionalist. Yeah, I, inter- I slaughtered it. That's all right, interventional pain physician. Yeah. His name is Dr. Nikhil Verma. He is a practicing physician um, in the Columbus area, and he has expertise on a wide knowledge of suspects, uh, subjects, and I'm glad to have him in the studio. He's also the first friend of the Crowcast that is at 884 Bellows. In the Thunderdome, we've awesome. got the, we've got the machete here. We've got Stinky the cat. You are you're the first one to be brave enough to come in. Oh man, I love love this part of town though. It's awesome. Just walking around. We had a we had a nice little walk. It's a perfect Saturday afternoon today with that weather out there too. So well, and true. A disclosure: we did go to the patio. We had a shot, <laughs> and I'm so bad at intra- entrances. I'm trying to get better, but I get so nervous. You know, like this. It's weird. Like I, I've talked before, but like doing the introduction, it's hard. It's hard. No, that's all right. It, it's part of the the. You you want to keep it real. I think that's what we appreciate. Everything about this is keeping it real and seeing how we we see it and not overcalling <laughs> or undercalling something. Well, there's definitely going to be calls today. <laughs> so, okay, we're from we're from Marion, right? And I don't want to speak for you, but I know a lot of people from my class, my high school class, yeah. people that I knew and loved that got swept up in the opiate epidemic, the heroin, all that, and it's become an issue where I like, you know, people are like, I'm not going to say I've never done a drug in my life, but I've always said like opiates, I've never really gotten into them because of, you know, what we saw, but you're in the, you're in the pain world and I've come to learn, I've started listening to doctors on Twitter. It's not, it's not black and white as it used to be, right? Right. Like, I mean, opiates have their place. Yeah. How, what's, what's it like being a pain doctor? Yeah, no, that's a great question, and I appreciate you bringing it up. <clears throat> like, let's just start there because you know when I went into medical school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I wanted to do sports medicine because you know athlete played a lot of sports growing up. Um, that was part of our culture. And then I got to med school. I'm like, yeah, sports medicine sounds good. And then eventually, I was like, you know what? I don't know if I want to do sports medicine. I found this field called physical medicine and rehabilitation, where we really focus on the musculoskeletal health system. And we also help people recover from when they have a stroke or have a heart attack and get them back home and functional as best of our capabilities. So I love that field because it's all about goals, goals, goals. Then when it came time to pick, so you go to med school, you go to a residency, and then you pick a fellowship after that. Where did you get your residency? Yeah, so I did my residency in Brooklyn, New York. Ah. Yeah, so that was a great time. Uh, 
you know, I, I have a joke that I saw 5 a.m. too often, either waking up for work or bars don't close there till 4 a.m. So, you know, you're well, walking Well, I mean, home, you, you so train for, I mean, growing up in Marion, it's kind of, you know, it's the minor leagues. But, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we had a lot of fun, obviously. Um, but, yeah, so after residency, you do fellowship. I went to Birmingham, Alabama for fellowship and uh, chose a interventional pain and musculoskeletal health. So at our practice down there, we actually didn't know opioid management at all. We didn't give out anything, whatever. Um, but during my residency and fellowship, I, I kind of got engraved in the culture. I'm like, let me read about it. Let me figure it out. This is right when the Sacklers kind of were getting their initial lawsuits. We'll get to, we'll get to the Sacklers. <laughs> yeah. So they're getting their initial lawsuits. Marion's kind of bu- bubbling up as this epi- epicenter of the, the trade because of the crossroads of the streets of 23 and 71, how close it is to... Uh, Pittsburgh, Detroit, etc. And then, um, you know, so I'm still studying this stuff, but doing the interventional pain where I do more procedures, pain blocks, um, and minimally invasive surgeries to help people with their pain and try to avoid any medication management. Well, you know, I come kind of come in full circle with all this. It's like now patients are coming to my door saying like, hey, I really just need opioids. I need opioids. And that's where it's not so black and white, man. And that's what you're talking about. Because I think, like, I think, because I remember, you know, seeing seeing people that I knew go down with it. Where I'm like, oh, you know, oh, you know, they're flooding us with, you know, the big pharma's flooding us with the pills. They know what they're doing, and they did know what they were doing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not black and white in the sense that there's people out there that have chronic pain and there's a reason why the opiates have existed since opium yeah you know like it and now and i feel like we've come back the other way where now i hear stories about you know hey i work construction for 30 years my knees fucking killing me and now i go in and i I hit my doctor up and now i'm getting interrogated like i'm you know trafficking schedule one narcotics Right. Like I'm Pablo Escobar. So I'm sympathetic to that. And but it's crazy because like pain can't really be charted, right? Like there's no way like if I come in and I say like if I come in and I say, Doc, my knee is on fire. I can barely stand. How would you like how would you go about assessing that? Yeah, so that's a great great point. Like a uh, heart rate we is a vital sign. And we can chart that by counting how many heartbeats you have per minute. So you would make me, you'd be like, hey, like, take a walk and... Yeah, I'll just check your pulse and, or use a stethoscope. I mean, nowadays we have automated counters, whatever. Like, so that's a very um, objective finding. You can't, I mean, you can change your heart rate, that's the definition of the But it's like, it's going to be pretty consistent. You can count. There's no argument. But pain, it's like, what pain means to you means something different to me. And what means to me means something different to someone else. How do you so, how do you how do you chart that? Yeah. So right now we use different scales. So one scale, the, the most common we use is a visual analog scale, which is kind of like people saying on a scale of one to ten or zero to one hundred, and we we say that. But now insurance companies, and we'll get to that later on, I'm sure, is they want to see functional scales. So a bunch of people and universities they made up these functional scales that quantify like okay how how bad is your knee affecting you day to day can you walk up and down stairs um you know 
how often is the pain? And they compile all this together and they get, they spit out a score. And we use that score and we document that in our notes. And that's how we started looking at pain now. Because it's more of a functionality of your day-to-day life and not just, oh, man, I'm in pain. So how, like, how does insurance come into it? Like, what, what's insurance looking for? Like... Yeah, so like how do you how what's what does it look like from the doctor perspective? Because everybody knows, you know, everybody nobody we don't like our insurance. We right. like our doctors. So how does it look from your perspective? How yeah. do you go about talking about pain with it's bureaucrats, right? Yeah. So it's funny, like so I read this tweet the other day, it's like, yeah, health insurance is great. You pay a bunch of money. And then when you get sick, and you get nothing, but then when you get sick, you pay a bunch more money. So it's like, well, hold up, how does this make any sense? All right, so that's what I'm all about. I'm like, I want to try to make more transparency for our patients and even practicing physicians. So in our medical training, no one ever teaches about insurance companies or how to even bill appropriately or, you know, that's, ways. That's not taught in medical no, school. No, no, it's taught in, it's taught in dental school. It's taught in chiropractic school. So sometimes those people have a leg up and how to run a business because of that. Really? So this is why. Well, I've never trusted dentists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, de- right? Dentists are literally, <laughs> it's not, to, that, that reached me of like, uh, you know, being in high school, I, nobody, we didn't have financial classes. So, right. So, how did you come into it? How did you figure out the world of? I think I just caught, kept seeing things that were like, wait, that doesn't make sense. So I, you know, <clears throat> I ask a lot of questions, and I mean, we both post all of our reads online. You see that I'm I read a couple books a month um, on a good month, or I, you know, on average it's about one or one and a half books a month. So I'm I'm always reading. I'm podcast listening podcasts. I'm getting some knowledge base behind it. So all these insurance companies, they're all incentivized to really not pay the doctors anything. So what they do is they pay, they kind of close down the contracts that they have with independent doctors, and they make inflated contracts with big universities and big centers. So when those big centers have to see 40, 50 patients a day to stay open, now it's easier for patients with chronic pain just to come in, get their scripts, go out the door. Versus what I look at is pain has so many realms to it. There's an emotional component. There's a physical component. There's a, for lack of a better term, a spiritual component. They all overlap. The medical industrial complex is... Uh, that's real, right? Like, <laughs> it is. It's, it's it real. Is. Like, Listen, that's why I chose to go into independent practice. Because I'm so against what the medical industrial complex is about. High volume, more procedures backdoor negotiations with insurance companies to inflate their rates and push down the little man. It's all bureaucratic. It's, and it's a machine. You know, it's a multi-billion dollar machine. Um, the Cigna uh, CEO made like $300 million last year. And health insurance is the number one reason why people, or healthcare costs are the number one reason why people go into bankruptcy across America. Where's the only place that happens? (laughs) Yeah, right. And that's another thing. From your perspective, what does a CEO do? (laughs) And like, what 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 would you say this the Cigna? Why does the Cigna CEO get paid so much? Right. Uh, That's a question that's probably way out of my expertise or even what I know. But honestly, I feel like what ends up happening is these guys go to get their MBAs, they get good schools and all this stuff. They meet the right people. 
they get promoted, promoted, promoted because they can push. You the don't. Product. You don't become the Cigna CEO by yeah. by accident. You yeah. You push. You push. <laughs> you push the product. Their product is health insurance. Yeah. If I can get a cheaper product to more Americans quicker, um, then I'm I'm making up my ends meet. And there you go. Hey, this guy did what we asked him to do. Let's get him up there. So, and. Uh, Someone can definitely fact check me on the numbers. I'm kind of talking. Oh, it's not fact checkers here. But this is a fast free just, zone, bro. Speak freely. The concept remains the same. Yeah. These CEOs who have no interaction with a patient ever, they're not seeing what I'm seeing. And they're not doctors, no, right? No. Like, they're, they're just business hobgoblins. Yes. Because that's why, I, like, not to speak on our friendship that goes back decades, I would say now, but uh, that's why I respect you. You have the understanding of you understand business. You get you get the aspects of it. You're smart enough to understand that. But you you got into the medical field because you legitimately care. Yeah. And I, so I, I do care. And I think I think one of my biggest thing is like I care to a point where I'm always trying to help other people out, always trying to figure it out for other people. But there is a business side of running a practice and having a business and you know, that is what it is. Um, but if I have a product, it better be a product that I'm backing 100% and not something that I'm like. So, where where is the field of, I guess, pain research? Yeah. Is that, where is it going? Because, like, Dr. Joel, yeah, our friend. Yeah, boy. He, uh, he's doing a lot of interesting studies on, I guess, psychedelics. Absolutely. Being helpful for trauma. Where, where do you see it going in your mind? Yeah. Uh, a <clears throat> couple, couple things. Like, I think we can first start with the medical marijuana world. Because, you know... How, even are, you, are you involved in that? So, I have a license to recommend in the state of Ohio. Okay. What they, was that process like? You go through two-hour training class. You apply. They do a background check, I'm sure. They make sure that you don't have any kind of record. And then a couple more classes, a couple more things. And they... Give you that license to recommend. So now, if a patient comes to me, they have to qualify. <coughs> excuse me. Are you good? Qualify for one of these certain diagnoses. I think there are nine, maybe eleven, in the state of Ohio that are specific. And if you qualify one of those, then you can get your medical marijuana card. And then I'll go onto the state website, register you, and give how much I recommend, how many refills in a month, in a three-month period. Sorry, and then we go from there. So you're a believer. And marijuana. Listen, I think it's a better alternative to a lot of medications out there. I sound cra- like I sound crazy, bro. Like talking about it, like, like. Well, if you talk like if something of me goes out, you know, oh, you know, marijuana helps with my knee or whatever. But it's there's medical evidence. Yeah, yeah. So as far as the evidence, I have read about pain in the pain section, in which one of the diagnoses in the state of Ohio is chronic or severe intractable pain. Uh, so if you have that, you may qualify. Talk to your physician. Don't just go out and start smoking marijuana <laughs> in the state of Ohio. There's other states you can do that. But yeah, uh, they would. Uh, that would be a qualifying condition yeah. you prescribe. So as far as the studies that I read, anything that has a high THC with a high CBD content can help with pain. If right. nothing else, it helps decrease your pain, helps you sleep at night sometimes, helps relax, whatever. I don't care, like we talked about. There's a psycho mental component to it there's a physical component and a spiritual and etc etc so that's why it all kind of links together so you 
do you think do you think there's a future in in just drugs in general like it, is it worth researching so not just like weed but like others. 100% the research should be done it should be done 20 years ago or 70 years ago whatever you know well, if we think back in the 70s they were doing this but it just got shut down because of a few bad apples um, you know with Timothy Leary and all that you know they were, they were really being uh, trailblazers so yeah so medical marijuana will continue to grow and then the psychedelic realm and we'll, when we say psychedelic we'll stick to the realm of psilocybin yeah what's it yeah. Which, which is, is the mushroom. Yeah, agreed. which would be a magic, magic <laughs> For mushrooms. For those that don't know. Um, we can talk briefly about LSD because they have similar components to it. Yeah. They work slightly differently, but pretty much the backbone of the structure are similar. And then we talk about ketamine, which is not a traditional psychedelic, but it's a disassociative. I might have, some ketamine might have fallen up my nose <laughs> at one point. But that means like, if you're doing ketamine, that means... a you got it from a crooked veterinarian, right? Typically, yeah, I'd imagine, or black web, yeah, or, or yeah, dark web, yeah. whatever. So, I'm guessing. So, which, alright, we know weed, weed is coming. Like, that's yeah. a done deal. There's people that I want to say that, is, until, um, like, most states can figure out how to come really, really rich off it, they're going to yeah. regulate the crap out of it. What, so, we know weed's coming, weed's a done deal. What, what's the next horizon? Out of all, all those that you mentioned, where would you put your money in? So let's talk about, so ketamine's already here. Yeah. It's out-of-pocket payment. There's a medical use for it. Yes. So for depression, PTSD, right. post-traumatic stress disorder, <clears throat> anxiety, and <coughs> there's some good studies for that. So. What did, what did the study say? For, you know, the protocols involved, I'm not too familiar with, for these, um, for PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and depression. But, I, I mean, there are a lot of doctors out there trying to figure this out. And, obviously, any paper you submit, you're going to spin in a positive way. So, in my mind, a lot of you them just are positive. on Facebook? <laughs> no, that's it. It doesn't work anymore or ever, I guess. <laughs> that's the next topic. So, so I would say, just as that, ketamine would be the next because it's already here and people are paying cash out of pocket for it. I think for PTSD... What, 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 are, what are the benefits of ketamine? So... See? If we go back to that, you know, mental portion, there's a psycho, um, a mental portion of pain. What it does is it will literally separate your concept of what you feel to pain. Oh, I've been there. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I've never done ketamine. I've read it. I've read about it. But yeah, so I've. This is essentially what's yeah. been told to us is you you can literally disassociate. It's a disassociative yeah. from yourself, so you can look strictly, objectively on your own person about how you're experiencing pain and how it's dealing for you day to day. So what what would it like what would what would it look like in the future? Like like these these you know 30 years down the road like how would it like, if if I would if I become president, god yeah. forbid, <laughs> and I appointed you as you know my pains are figured out because Americans are in pain. What do you think the yeah. future of medical care would look like in that realm? Yeah, so I think there's something to be said about First off, just decriminalizing drugs. In the it's got to be, right? Like, First off, we're losing so much money. And you know, most of these people, in my rough estimation, that are true addicts are suffering from something or the other, whether it be underlying depression, post-traumatic stress, anxiety. Hence why you do it for one thing, it's going to help with the other and vice versa. 
Um, Jail isn't the place for that. Right. And then if you start locking people up, like, no, you give them a true rehabilitation. And then you don't give them a second chance on the back end. Oh, you're in jail. I'm not going to hire you. Like, come on. Like, you know, there are definitely some bad apples in the world. When we have this many people, that's going to happen no matter what. But for the benefit of the doubt, we didn't need the right reconstruction programs. We need the right types of treatment programs. So I would start, like, yeah, you would have ketamine centers for chronic pain. For those amount of patients that want to do it responsibly and safely, they come and do it. See, and that, that's why I hate about, you've really touched on the nerve. You can tell how <laughs> America has such a drug problem. Like, the cartels and all that that we pretend to hate, they have a problem because there's a demand. And what I hate is we don't, all we do is just bring a hammer to it. We got to pound them back at the jail, jail, prison, ruin their lives. When really, we need to talk about decriminalization. Supervised injection sites where people can go and like, the, just the recently, the whole hubbub about like, oh, the crack pipes. Like the government's going to give away crack pipes. The government should give away crack pipes, right? Like, yeah. it, and they don't understand the concept of harm reduction. Right. Well, I mean, let's just look at this example. Like, it, it's like, you know... Uh, around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, we went to the bar and we had a shot. Neither one of us are driving anywhere. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Neither one of us are driving anywhere anytime soon. No. You know, I'm drinking a Sprite. We're hanging out. Like, by the time we're done with this podcast, I'll be more than under the legal limit to drive. Not that it would even affect me, but, like, at this point, at this stage, sorry. But, like, that's the point. Like, so why can't, if somebody wants to go, and heroin is their stick, like have a house or a bar all right that'll be 50 bucks what i don't know the it's the same concept yeah, right like right. if we go to a bar that's a safe consumption site yeah hire a nurse practitioner hire a doctor have them sit there monitor if something goes sour 911 immediately narcan we're saving lives we're helping people do you think we're gonna get better on it so i think with this being said i think you kind of touched so with the ketamine one thing, we'll go with the other psychedelics, those will come following. Um, but I think opioids are kind of getting their comeback because there are certain patients that are using it responsibly that absolutely do need it, and they help. So once we start identifying those people more and more, and once we can actually figure out the proper functional measures to use and document in our notes to help them more and more, I think there'll be a lot more and less deaths from prescription opioids we're still going to have synthetics that are going to cause a bunch of problems and it's going to cause a lot less drug problems across the u.s so where do you see your practice going where, where are you trying to you know when it's so, all said and done so my, my whole thing is i want to be one that reduces opioids circulating in the community um not because i don't believe in them that's not my my stick because i believe so much in the other things. Every one of my patients, I get on to a physical therapy. Who regimen. are your patients? Yeah, so um, sorry to interrupt. No, that's good. It's good. What do yeah. your patients look like? So, so I, I still go to Marion once a week because we got so slammed with the opioid uh, epidemic, and nobody is up there. There are some. There are plenty of good pain physicians up there, but I just want to give my service back to that area. So I'm seeing a lot of you know, from anywhere from 30 to 70 year old, 80 year old. Uh, people in Marion area. Which Man, woman. Both, yeah. Uh, and honestly, <laughs> you would see most patients that come to me are thankful that I don't prescribe them opioids. They're like, my last doctor, that's all they wanted to do. I'm like, listen, we have other options, and we do, 
We have better technologies. We have new techniques of procedures. All these things. Not massive surgeries. Like all these new things. And I just want that information to be out there. So I actually did a certain procedure a couple weeks ago. And I was the first person to do it in Marion, Ohio. Ever. And the, maybe the third person in the state of Ohio to do it. Or central Ohio area to do it. One doctor did a couple in uh, Columbus and one doctor did a couple in Cincinnati. So it's like, you know, this is what I'm talking about. We have technologies. We just have to start believing in them. We have to have the right doctors and the right training to get them there. So where do you want to take your practice? Yeah, so, I, you know, my, my ideal patient avatar that comes in, I'm like, I tell them. Um, you know, we'll say 55-year-old Joe Smith from... Marion comes to my office. I'm like, all right, listen. I know, Joe. Yeah, Good everyone, guy. Great guy. <laughs> Played ball with him back in the day. Yeah, now he's, he's suffering from back pain, right? So it's yeah. like, all right, Joe, like, this is what we're going to do. I want you to start a physical therapy program, right? I want to strengthen those muscles that are going to protect those uh, joints that are getting arthritic. Uh, the nerves that are getting compressed on, it's going to help decompress the nerves a little bit. We'll get you moving a little bit better, and let's see how, you, and we'll get some x-rays. Start you on some medications that aren't opioids. See how this helps out with pain. I want to talk to you, like, you know, has anything happened to you in the past few months or, like, you know, do you have depression, anxiety, brain fog, do you not think clearly, all this stuff. It's like, yeah, you know what, like, my back pain really started about three months ago when my, uh, my brother died. So I was like, well, wait, so no doctor ever asked you about this, right? Well, yeah, because, <laughs> doc, you know, doctors, you get the insurance, you know, having me, I got the insurance, I was like, oh, I got... You know, I got the good insurance now. Then you go, you go to the doctors, and really just means you're just meeting with somebody who's asking yeah. you a couple questions, and they're you know moving on because it goes back to the billing. Yeah, and I don't blame the doctors because yeah. we are so pressed for time, especially yeah. in these big institutions. They have to see 40, 50 patients a day because their institution is going to take forty percent off the top of them. And then they have to pay their staff and their overhead. So at the end of the day, they're only taking home really ten or twenty, thirty percent of what they're really billing for, which is crazy, right? Yeah. So, so for me, my own practice, I, I get paid less per patient, yeah. and I have less patients, but at least I get to choose what, what happens at 100% of the What, did, what so. did the economics, you know, I'm not trying to beat the IRS, <laughs> but like, what did the economics look like for a doctor like you? Yeah, so if you just look at it, I know we're going to kind of off tangent here and there. No, no, we have so good. much no. to talk about. There's no tangent. We're, we're in... Free territory. So I'm like, if people can imagine a scale in their minds, at the beginning, we would say uh, average would be, say, $325,000 for an average physician salary. Yeah. That might be high, that might be low, I don't know, whatever. So if, you, if I start out at a university center or a big hospital or corporation or whatever, I'm going to be there or higher to start. And most, and most doctors are coming out with debt. Like right? seven figures. High six figures, yeah, we're talking lots and lots of debt that can't be paid off in a few years. Uh, so yeah, they take these safe jobs. You get very good benefits, good health insurance, quote unquote, as we're talking about. You get good retirement plans. So it's like, wow, all this looks. You get a signing bonus, and when you're in that much debt and you don't know anything about business, it looks fantastic. <laughs> I will take that every day of the week. Ah. Oh. It's such a good for Marion. Yeah. Ah! Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the concept is, is they kind of flatline. They might be able to go up a little bit, maybe 10, 10 to 50% at most. 50% at very most. If you're a surgeon, you can definitely go up. But if you're like, that's like, yeah. And then you have these research requirements. The research requirements bulk your name up. What it really does is bulks the university names up even more. 
and you're required to do these university research projects. So, you know, so that 325 hits a max at like 400,000 or 500, 600, whatever. Yeah. The number's arbitrary. For me, I start, I'm like, I'm, I'm hemorrhaging money right now. I am in debt to my business. I'm in debt for um, medical school loans. But my ceiling is as aggressive, meaning how many patients do I want to see in You could sell out, right? Like, yeah, you, and you, I could you sell could be, too. You could, what if Ohio Maybe. State one day comes and is like, hey, your practice is booming. We want to take a portion of it or we want to buy it out from you. Oh, so that's how it works. Like, so it's similar to, like, I guess, the drug cartels. Where it's I guess, like, yeah. Or any other business. So you're booming. So they would come in and be like, hey, yeah. hey, we, we like what you're doing with the knees. Yeah. <laughs> like, we like what you – we like your view on pain. They, they would just come in. And they, yeah, but then they would have They to, would make a cash offer and you yeah. would join there. Yeah. But They're then you fine. have to follow their their rules. And you know that procedure that I did in Marion, Ohio, no one's going to – they won't let me do it. They won't need me to do it, quote, unquote. They have surgeons that can do these kind of things. So it's like it's not giving the patient the best options of what they have, in my opinion, which is crazy to think about. So it's just – it's one – you know, one big critique I have about America is we've put – people on the hamster wheel and i think society would work you know it wouldn't be a utopia probably but i think it would work a little better if instead of just taking our brightest minds that are like hey i generally care about human health i want to help people i want to become a doctor i want i look at pain and i say hey that guy shouldn't be in pain i think it would be better for us if they didn't start in six-figure debt. Like if they, <laughs> if they didn't have to go to loan sharks who are like, hey, our business is, we're just going to knock over. Yeah, those doctors, those people who want to improve the world, they're suckers. We're going we're gonna to fleece them for 12%. And what do you think like the, the medical world would look like if you weren't graduating with so much debt and you really once you graduated that that switch in your brain wasn't saying we gotta we got you know so medicine human biophysiology how this body works it's all very complex right i spent how many years of my life researching this understanding it ever since high school you know you don't know shit right everyone everyone's has already you know like oh he's already reading about this stuff in high school college med school right right residency how much do you think you know Uh, no i I think i'll bring it out like i think i'm a fucking idiot i think that's the thing (laughs) that's how i know you're smart because you know what happened the other day i I had this patient everything went perfectly right with the procedure and i i swear i think i did everything perfect young girl needed needed procedure everything went perfect looking at the images did i mess she left the procedure with a little bit more pain than she came in. I'm like, you know, I'm so sorry. Let me know. I'm going to review the images. I asked my colleagues. Everyone says I did the right thing. The images look good. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm just like, you know what I did? I, I went and online. I researched. My buddy sent me a research paper. I spent this morning researching, looking at research paper, what I could have possibly did wrong. And maybe I'll never know. But at least I figured out what I can do better for next time. Is, is re- is research a, a thing? So you read other, like, what's the, how do you get better? Yeah. Because, so, like, a lot of people think, like, you're a doctor. Like, no. and, you know, and a lot of, I, I feel like a lot of doctors would buy into that. 
and I know you don't, but like, how do, how do you get better? I'm constantly reading, and like you know, if there's a uh, procedure that either I haven't done for a while, or if I do it every day, like I'm still gonna go read it. Michael Jordan still shot free throw. He's probably still shooting for free throws today, right? I'm still gonna go read those bread and butter procedures. Gonna read the the basics of mechanisms of a medication, just because that's how you get better. What sources do you go to? So I use a lot of uh, YouTube because I learn a lot better from videos. Um, thankfully, now we're kind of getting in that realm of hybrid virtual reality. So we have virtual reality headsets that people show us procedures and their techniques. Is, is so awesome. is that the is that the meta? The meta that they're uh, trying to I'm, do? I, essentially, I guess. But this, but it has it has a use because I I'm dreading it. I'm dreading. It. I, I would never log on to that. But it has a use. I could see how it would have a use. Yeah, to do at least an educational portion. Like, listen, if you had a chance to listen to, oh well, I mean, let's say Alan Watts, for example, if that was recorded and then back then and now we could literally put on these headphones and so and it's in like the it's hall. like yeah and in the lecture hall would it be like you're watching the procedure happen yeah exactly they, they show you i mean we can't use obviously humans in this but it's cadavers or well back uh, in the day they used to right yeah <laughs> but yeah, that maybe you know who knows in the future like where these kind of things branch off to yeah. you, you can learn something from halfway across the world and understand it and be like hey i can do this i want to get treated more and that's how we grow and learn. What, what, was it, what was the first time you ever cut into somebody? So, I mean, we do a little bit in medical school. Yeah. But there's so much litigation that, like, they really protect you, at least where I went to med school. Like, right. they don't want you to, like, really cut people more than, you know, this, that. So it really started happening in fellowship where we do a couple procedures. And our, my incisions are no bigger than, you know, 15 centimeters, so, like, few inches at most but yeah it, it's it's a experience um in my pain procedures you know I'm, I'm sticking needles in people and it's not always a pleasant experience and i that recoils on me sometimes i feel bad i'm like i know i'm sorry i'm sorry like just bear with me we'll get through it pump full of opioids boy <laughs> yeah well hey that's actually a good topic because in the past for these pain procedures any procedure you can you get typically you can be under some sort of sedation or get some opioids. Or yeah, yeah. But now the government, the insurance companies, Medicare, which is run by the uh, government, they say, you know what, we're not going to pay if you use sedation anymore. So now our patients just have to suffer through these procedures, or you have to do it and just take the hit. So it's just like, man, like, can we give the give our patients a break? Like, this is going to help them. But how how would you change it? If I made you, if I made, you know, God forbid I win the presidency. I mean, how would you change the relationship between patients and billing? Like, uh, the answer is nationalized healthcare, right? In some sense. Like, what would, it, yeah. what would it look like? So, yeah, I think, so. What could we do better? Patients, so th this is my big concept. It's like, I pay around $400 a month for health insurance, right? You as a doctor. Yeah, right. So I, I have to take a private thing because I'm not working for a company. So I pay my own health insurance. So here's my concept. I've gone to the doctor in the past 10 years less than less than 10 times, right? I've probably, go, probably gone like three or four times, usually just for a checkup. Um, I don't think of any other major actions, you know, act, injuries, knock on wood, um, that's causing any problems. So now if you multiply that $400 per month for X amount of years, right? It doesn't so, look pretty. <laughs> what if I invested that into that HSA health savings account or 
and now let that money inflate. Now if I get sick at any time, I can pull from that pot. But this is also a public pot, right? Um, so say, you know, someone down the street gets hit by a car, doesn't have health insurance, or has a lesser health insurance, whatever, it doesn't matter. Hey, I got plenty of money in my pot. You can take $100,000. I mean, in 20 years, in 20 years, $400 a month would be way, like probably about $400,000, Yeah. And the compounding I, 8%. Yeah, those are like equations I don't even want to think about. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, all right, I don't want to think about that. Yeah, it would be pretty pretty nuts to think yeah. about. Um, I could definitely spare some money. And maybe I don't even have to be the arbitrator of who, where the money goes. Maybe it just goes into a big centralized pot. And then at the end of the year, if we have leftover, people get a couple hundred bucks in their back in their bank account. Yeah. Like, so that would be one thing I would change. Um, I would stop the I would stop insurance companies dictating what pricing is for a patient. I would stop greedy doctors from dictating what prices are for patients. How does that like? How does that work? What separates a good doctor from a bad doctor when it comes to insurance? I, I can't say truthfully because I don't know every aspect, and yeah. I can't say ethically or morally because everyone's different. But what I can say is what ends up happening is me as a doctor, I go to every insurance company and ask for a contract. You know, hey, I want to be in contract with you. I want to be able to see your patients. Oh, great. Yeah, we'd love for you. Here's the negotiated rate. That's great. So you, as a doctor, you have to be basically a knight riding up to a castle and say, yeah. I would like to do business with you. Yeah. And they'll say, you, yeah, you're an independent doctor. You're a, phys, a little peasant. Here's a contract. Sign it and we'll send you your patients. So what they make you do is I will fill out my fee schedule. And I make my fee schedule arbitrarily high. Not because I want to screw patients over, because I want to screw insurance companies over. Allegedly. Allegedly. So say you came to see me for a checkup. My new patient visits somewhere around $300. Um, expect an insurance company to pay for it. I send it. And they're like, okay, great, cool. We see that $300, but patients co-pay is 50 Well, so first they'll say is, well, this is the negotiated rate. So already they're paying me $100 versus $300. And then they say, you know what? The patient owes $15 copay. And you coded this wrong. So we're only going to give you $14.99. So who deals with the parlance? Like who does the jousting? It's a, it's a bureaucrat from the insurance agency. And then like you have, like unless you want to spend your time jousting with these fools, you have to hire somebody, right? Yeah. So if I want to... You have to hire... Uh, Basically at night. Yeah, I have to hire someone to call them and fight for me every year because they, they renegotiate contracts every year. And that matters, right? Like That's a skill. Like it's Yeah, because it could be the difference between having a successful practice, practice and a not-so-successful practice. Um, so hospital systems, they have people. They have experts. But not only that, hey, you know what? We have 55 different doctors here, so why don't you just give us the best rate you can? And then we start talking about getting more and more physicians and better and better rates. And they're like, you know what? We've been doing such a good job for you as these big university centers, hospitals. They're like, we've been doing such a good job for you. Why don't you give us a little bit higher rate? Yeah, I keep, and they keep bumping it up. They're bumping it up. And that money doesn't get redistributed to the nurses, to the doctors, to the custodial staff. You know what gets redistributed? The C-suite executives. <laughs> That's... You're on the executive <laughs> class. I went down to Costa Rica. Last time I used my passport and I, I, I had my... My new one is right over there. <laughs> Last time I used a passport, went to Costa Rica, and our Colombian host, he had multiple years of experience in um, the service industry in San Jose, and 
he said, you know who parties? Who He's like, I've, I've hosted people from all over the world. You know who throws the biggest parties? You know who just says, fuck you, the American insurance industry. <laughs> and, and, and I get it. I get I get it when people talk about, you know, you got to have insurance. I get it. But like you said, it's not going. Like, it's not going to the doctors. It's not going to the nurses. It's sure as hell not going to the patients. It's going to the C-suite executives. Yes. So do you think... Do you think it will get any better? Like, do you, how... We have a bunch of independent groups going out there advocating for physicians, advocating for patients. Um, unfortunately, as we know how lobbyist money works in America, it just it, it it won't be enough until everyone gets united on the same front. And unfortunately, a, like you're not there, but there's a lot of how would we say? There's a lot of a lot of your colleagues are invested in the status quo. Like it's like yeah, I know people working. that are. And I can I, think of a dermatologist in Marion yeah, that right? I know. I mean, he had a very nice house, and you go. In and out. Yeah. Didn't remember my name half the time I went there, right? <laughs> so right there the truck, he, did, he, he did solve my acne. Yeah, no. But he, he, it is what it is. But like, how, that's how it works. It's a revolving door of... And there are doctors that are invested in it because they, they like the money. They want to get out of debt. And I'm not I'm not hating on anyone for any... Uh, obviously, my I am. hatred goes to the C-suite. Let the record show I am hating. <laughs> C-suite executives, yeah. insurance co- executives... You know, the patients and doctors and nurses and all these people, they shouldn't be the ones that are suffering. Mm. So what's it been like for you as a medical professional, I guess you would call it, just like dealing with the pandemic? How, uh, from your angle, like, how do you see it going on, man? Because I'm yeah. sure you're like me, like I can log on to Instagram and stories and there's a lot of people falling down. So, I think this kind of goes back to the question you were asking about. I was like, you know, how do I study and how do I learn things more and more? It's like, there are so many people out there that, like, everyone just thinks they're so smart. You know, you have these biohackers, Dave Asprey and Ben Greenfield, and they want to sell you, like, oh, if you piss in a cup and put in the sun and drink it 45 minutes later, it boosts your vitamin C levels by 9%. I was like, no, no, no. They're like, dude, shut up. Like, the body is way more complex than these Fewer, two or three articles. And we don't need vitamins, right? The average American? Well, I would say yes, we do. What vitamins would you recommend? So vitamin D sounds like it's a good one. You can get that from the sun. You don't have to take it externally. Well, that, that would require <laughs> me going outside. Um, fish oil. That tends to be a good one. I got fish oil. But there's low-quality fish oil out there. There's high-quality fish oil okay. out there. Um, creatine probably is one of the most studied and best just for typical muscular strength and energy. Just not like caffeine energy but like literal energy of reserves for your muscles um outside that i don't recommend much unless you're in pain i recommend turmeric sometimes um a few other supplements but there's not really good studies i am i'm about to be (laughs) what you mentioned i'm about to be the buffest guy you know yeah dude like that's that's my thing too it's like most of the stuff i'll tell people for free but if they want to spend an hour with me call me up we'll set up a price and We'll figure something out. Like, so how 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 have you seen the pandemic going? Yeah, so like, there's so many people out there, and this is like where we get. We'll talk about kind of what happened on the Joe Rogan experience with a couple doctors. Yeah, but like, so for me, in my point of view, was listen. I know what I know, 
in my interventional pain world, and I hardly know it. So when I have experts at NYU and um, Harvard and Johns Hopkins and California, like, and they're saying, like, hey, this is a bigger deal than we think it is. Hey, that, like, we should really that. I was like, I'm not going to go against these people. Like, yeah. Like, and then everyone's like, oh, they're getting paid off, this and that. It's like, no, the hospitals get paid off for more patients in the hospital. The doctors still make the same. The doctors are one of the research projects, right? So then you have these... Um, so for me, at that point, I was like, listen, I'm going to trust them. And the more and more I read it, I saw the more and more discrepancies of one people, handful of people like, oh, you know, do your own research. And then the other people like, we are doing our own research. We are the ones publishing the papers. And you're just choosing, because of your own bias, what you want to believe. It's so easy. That's, that's what I hate about it, man. Like, Because I, I follow it more than most people would know. And... It's just so easy to just lie. Right. And just make stats, say what you want it to. Yeah. And I get why people, because I mean, and that's that's what I worry about. Because you got like the average person, you know what I mean? Like, that's why I hate all these freaks that are just, they're always on the coronavirus, always mass man, talking about it. Because you got to think about it from the average American's perspective. You just got overworked, you're underpaid, you come home. You want to parse a medical study? I don't. Right. <laughs> so, and, and this goes both ways, though. It, it does go on the opposite. And there are people out there that are overprotective and overutilizing what, yeah. their, their powers. And, like, unfortunately, I feel like uh, Fauci got stuck in a position where he's like, I have to use my whatever. And Fauci phone. sucks. Like, I'm not saying I'm not saying he deserved to be executed. Exactly. I feel the same way. He was wrong. For a long yeah. time. And it's like, how can much, we just get somebody else? Like, he's not. Yeah, like, that's what I said. How like, much of what he's saying was forced because of government, you know, government is like sanctions or not sanctions, but government like influence? Or how much was himself just kind of being overly confident? Um, and he, he isn't an arbitrator or two. Then my brother brought this up when we and I, he and I had a debate about it. His brother is the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> Seems Let the record show. Way more intelligent than I am. About <laughs> Both of us. Uh, so He should be on here. Yeah. He can't be bothered. Yeah. He's too busy. No, he, he's <laughs> high intelligence. High intelligence. Um, but yeah, so, you know, he and I had, it's like, he's like, who do you listen to? Like, do you listen to Fauci and this? I was like, no, I don't because I don't believe what he's saying half the time. Right, so it's like, and do people people come to you, right? Like, yeah, because I don't want to put it out there, but I I did a lawyer, educated breadwinner, yeah. and people come up to her and like, I need you to solve this gun crime, and she's like, I'm not that type of lawyer. Of lawyer. <laughs> and yeah, do you have people come up to you and like yeah. solicit you for criminal advice? It happened very early on and often. People were asking me, and as things kind of. People started following guidelines or not following guidelines. But people, here's my big thing. So my residency is in physical medicine rehabilitation. We talked about how I deal with post-stroke patients. But this post-COVID syndrome, it's rampant in our field. And I see a lot of patients that have post-COVID syndrome. And like, yeah, my I just had this pain, this very shocking-like pain down my arm all of a sudden after I got COVID. And I have no idea how to deal with it and stuff. It's like, so the way I was saying is, so you deal with long COVID. Yeah, yeah, that comes, and that's a, a pain can be a, a long COVID syndrome, symptom. So a lot of patient people are out there saying is like, oh, so like, you know, the vaccines can cause harm and this and this. And like, yeah, there's a few extra pericarditis cases in America because of that, but it's very, very minimal. You want to know what's worse to see is how many post-COVID patients there are out there that 
are either underdiagnosed, not diagnosed, or the ones that I'm seeing because no one asks them the simple questions. Um, the simple questions. Of like, did you have COVID? You know? Did this all start around COVID time? Like, now you mention it, it did. And that could be recall bias, I will admit. Um, but more often than not, you're going to probably say a healthy 27-year-old that had no pain all of a sudden has intractable back pain after a severe COVID infection. Yeah, something doesn't line up in my mind. Because there's risk, right? Like, that's that's what I... Like, I understand, I understand the urge to say, like, you know, mass, da 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 I... I get that, but there's risks. Like people like think like, oh, I heard it the other day from a guy who's, I know is very intelligent. He was like, oh, well, getting the vaccine if you're under sixty is a waste of time. And I guess I guess on the merits they would be right. Like I guess overall, like if you had to say something, like they'd be here, right, but they're wrong. Here's right? my like, here's my counter argument to that: the known minimal effects of a COVID vaccine, they far outweigh, even in the long-term unknown effects, they far outweigh the known effects of an actual COVID, regardless of the number. The denominator numerator doesn't matter because I know what can happen on the back end. Do you, do you deal with, like, medical disinformation? Like, do you have, like, patients just, like, coming in and, like, it's got to be frustrating, right? Like it's out of my you realm. Go to, like, so. You go, you go to like med school for all these years, and you come back, and some. You ever deal with somebody's just like, oh, I watched a YouTube video. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I have a lot of patients like, oh, I want to try this procedure. I want to try this block. I'm like, it's pretty much the same thing I'm already doing. Like, but listen, if if it's indicated, how do you handle that? Like, if somebody comes to you and they're like, I I read about it on Facebook, and I want to do something, and you know, like, if I'm if it's something that I feel passionate about and it's there's some evidence behind it i'll say like let me go read about it and i'll consider it usually if someone wants to get it done that they've already made up their mind yeah so i said i will try to find i'll help you find someone that will do it that feels more comfortable my big thing is i don't want to put my medical license at risk i don't want to yeah. get in some involved in some crazy lawsuits for something that's experimental in that sense um so you know i, I do some things that are off label for fda or things that are still considered experimental but there's enough evidence behind it that I support. And that would be the vaccine, for example. It's something I support. And I got. You know, I'm triple vaccinated, whatever. And I haven't gotten it yet. Because I, I... It's just crazy. I, I don't want to get into it. Yeah, it is what it is. But... <laughs> so, if people... If people are out there that like what you're saying, where, where, would, where would they find more of your opinions? Well, yeah. Where can, where can I find you on the internet? Yeah, so... Uh, Twitter, I think it's NV underscore sports and spine. Uh, my Instagram is dr.nv sports spine, uh, uh, sports and spine. Um, yeah, I'm starting to my own little YouTube podcast, kind of talk about some medical things, be specific for some people in my field, but other things will be general healthcare stuff. Um, and honestly, I think we're, we're in the same boat, or at least I think we are. I was like, listen, I want to be a positive disruptor in this world. I want to make a difference. I want to do something that's bigger than myself. I think that's what's important. Um, even if that means some sacrifices in the short run, it's worth it in the long run for me. All right. Well, as I said, you're a friend, but <laughs> we ended on one question here at the Crowcast. The number one gothic fantasy horror podcast on Spotify. We're moving up the charts, ladies and gentlemen. 
If I elected you president tomorrow of America, give me your top three issues. Like what, 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 how do you solve the problem that is America? Yeah. So I would definitely start with the healthcare. If we can fix that, we're going to stop. How would you model it? How would you model the health? What country would you choose? Oh, dude. So I don't think any countries really have this figured out. No, it's not perfect. But yeah. like, if you had to choose one, right, that we would base it on. I would probably say Germany. They have a good concept. And they figured that out in like 1800. Yeah, in and they, 1880, And they really right? haven't like, changed. Doctors aren't getting filthy rich. Hospitals aren't getting filthy what rich. What makes but Germany like, good? Yeah, so I think that's... Th- I forget what the model that they have is, but it's kind of a... It's, it's um, kind of like a partial payer system for everyone where people all get some sort of funding, but then if you want to pay for more, you get more. Like okay. how, that, that's how it all work. Like get right. at least a little bit for free or okay. that you already paid into, and then you get some more. I remember I was... Uh, one time I was coming back on a flight. Might have been hungover, and I was... I kept puking, kept puking, and if you really want to know what your life's worth, like, start puking in the bag, and then just have a bunch of Germans speaking in German over you. Oh, God. We stopped in Frankfurt, kept puking, they took me on a bus, took me in, but if you're ever smuggling drugs, the best way to do it is to start puking on the flight, and they'll just wheel you right through customs. They put me, they hooked me up with a bunch of, a bunch of IVs, I took a nap, woke up, feeling and it was it was 170 euros which at the time I think was like 80 bucks oh, and I asked the nurse and I was like hey how much would this have cost in America oh the flight. hypothetically the, and she said you don't want it now yeah the ride to the hospital alone would have been $10,000 the Germans haven't so, figured out so what there's is, what, one what else you got on you um, I think number two we, we touched on the topic of drugs and drug control decriminalization of drugs having more centers and charge crap out of them if you want to. I don't care. But people, at least give an option for the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Dr. Carl Hart is a renowned professor at some school on the East Coast. I think it's Harvard, but I might be mistaken. He talks about drug use, responsible drug use for the adult. Mm-hmm. And he's a tenured professor at his college. I should have asked so. you this earlier. Um, but are you are you familiar with the Dr. Huseman case that's going on? So I, I know the outskirts of it. Yeah. I haven't dived too much into it. But do, you, do you have any takes on it? So, for those that don't know, Dr. Huseman, it's all the talk about the bottoms. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, he was a medical doctor who was in the, the field of pain, yep. and he basically OD'd a bunch of patients. Like, gave him, like, enough... Yeah. As, as prosecutors would say, gave him enough fentanyl that would, could kill a rhino. So... Um, and I'm, I'm hearing he's gonna get off. So, here's the thing. So, there's... There's a compassion care to end-of-life suffering. From what I've heard is that that wasn't what he was doing, and he wasn't a licensed person to give compassion care end-of-life suffering. So I don't really know. This is like He would just go to nursing homes and see people that were struggling. So I don't know enough about the case in that realm. But that's exactly what I heard. And there should be an argument to be said. It's like, listen, if someone wants to end their life under... What they should do is... They and should you're go, for that. They should go under a, a one-week... One week long, sit down and talk about it with counselors, write love letters to every one of your family members, write down all your problems. Maybe if there is psychedelic uh, medications that might help, let them try those under counseling, detox them if they are using drugs and alcohol otherwise. And then if they still want to do it after that seven weeks or two weeks or or seven uh, days, 
14 days, a month, however long you want to make it. If they still want to do it then, then it should be under a physician's life. I think that would make sense to me. Um, it might cost a lot of money, but at least it would make sense because um, there is pain and suffering in the world. But if you stack up a lot of things and put a lot of barriers in there, a lot of people would be like, you know what? Maybe I do enjoy my life a little bit more than I thought. What's your third plank? Yeah, so um, I think the other thing is I don't even know what this is considered because I don't. I'm not big of the. How, how would you describe? Well, I I'm sorry. How would you describe your political? View? It's something that you brought. Because you're my, not. You've continuously brought. To I my wish you were like a hardcore communist, <laughs> but you're not. But I still, I, you yeah, know, we still get along. You're a good guy. We still get along. <laughs> it's it's things that you bring to my subtle attention or my cousins uh, or whoever. They're like you know when you look at the the roadmap of Ohio and we have the outer belt and then we have this north to south seventy one that just happensly cuts a little bit more east than north to south and cuts through the rich parts of central Ohio. And then we have east to west 70 that just happens to, in a little we're south. About, we're about to do another hour. I'm pushing <laughs> the hour extender button. These, these kind of things, they, they matter because, you know what, the people that are struggling the most in the world out there are the ones that aren't getting the attention and care that they need. So, you know, hopefully we can make a difference and get that attention and care that need them. Um, so they're not at such a socioeconomic and physical economic disadvantage to the rest of the people in the world. Dr. Nikhil Verma. It's been a pleasure, my brother. I, I, I'm very satisfied with how this episode turned out. Uh, when you're listening to it, it will be Thursday, and it will be a good day. Hopefully we're still around. But uh, yeah, DJ Burns... Dr. Nikhil Verma, we're signing off, and we'll catch you on the next time of the Crowcast. I'm bad at exits, even worse at entrances. <laughs> Goodbye.